Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. If you have your Bibles today, just loosen up your fingers a little bit. We're all over the New Testament. If you have a Bible on your phone or tablet, turn your Bible on and you can catch up and go. You know my teaching notes are in the Sugar Hill Church app. So you just open up the the Sugar Hill Church app and hit uh, resources and message notes. Everything I'm supposed to say is in there. Most everybody sends me a note sometime during the week and said, how come you didn't use these three pages? I have no idea, but it happens. But all the scripture references are there and it's easy to follow through that. That'd be great. Hey, thanks for hundreds of you guys participating in our daily audio podcast. It's like five minutes a day, five days a week. And uh, it's just been so much fun for Bobby and I to do these things. Stay on course. So like tomorrow's the first of a month. You got a brand new start. Those of you that kind of blew the whole New Year's resolution thing, guess what? Tomorrow you get to go at it all over again. So jump in. This week is a a new month and and jump in and be a part of our daily audio podcast. Love to have you be a part of that. So I wanted to make sure that you understood the last few weeks we've been teaching in this series called How to Eat an Elephant. And so you know that. So let me ask you the question. By the way, it's not rhetorical. How do you eat an elephant? Okay, clearly you folks are not at church yet. Okay, so how do you eat an elephant? Okay, and some of you have chosen not to eat the elephant, and I get that. But now we're, we're headed into a new series uh, next week called Daring Faith. And each week, that should be pretty interesting, the dare that is before us. I heard a little bit of what the dare was this week, and it had something to do with me and donuts. So I'm all in, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what that looks like. You remember when you were a kid and somebody would say, I double dog dare you? Right? I mean, that was like, okay, if you've got anything in you at all, you're doing this, no matter how safe or unsafe it is. Like, you're three flights up a tree, right? And it's like, I dare you to jump off, bro. And what do you think? No. And then he throws down the double dog dairy, and it's like, ah, broken leg. Right? I mean, just, that's what we do, double dog dare. So we're starting this series, Daring Faith. Now, we're going to invite many of you uh, to be a part of Daring Faith in a little different way. So pull your phone out. Will you just go ahead and take your phone out? If you're sitting with your kid and you've already said, don't be playing games on your phone, just give him a break for like a few minutes here, pull the phone out, and I want you to punch a number in. For those of you that are so spiritual, you can't use your phone right now, just grab a pen, pencil, and jot this a telephone number down. 770. Are you got it? Steve, have you got your phone out, bro? Oh, you got Marty's phone. Okay. But you, okay. 770-749-7559. Let me get two more times. 770-749-7559. If you will put in the body of the text, host, you'll receive information on how you can so simply host a, a daring greatly and this, this opportunity to have this daring faith for a six-week Bible study in your home. It is so easy. All you have to do is hit play. It is so ridiculously easy. So if you're here today and you say, I can't do that, I promise you, you can. 29 people in the first services, I'm in. All right, so you guys jump on board with us and just send that text just as host. Now, if you say, well, what else can I do with that text? If you put something else in it, just wait and see. So like if you put $500 in that text, you just lost 500 bucks out of your account and it's going straight to Sugar Hill Church. So have any of you done that? Because I wanted to thank you. No. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll work on that. But today, we want to wrap up the how to eat an elephant. I believe there's one critical agreement that if we don't get this right, there's no possible way that we're going to succeed wildly in 2016. And you've heard me talk about this subject multiple times because I really do believe where there is no peace in our life, when peace is absent from our life, we make terrible decisions 
and we ruin our relationships. I can't tell you how many people wind up in my office for a counseling appointment, and inevitably we get down to this concept of every decision you're making is inviting everything but peace into your life. And we don't have peace in our life, we genuinely make worse decisions, and we ruin every relationship around us. Because when we're not at peace, we are simply not good. Let me give you an example. So when me and God are out of whack, what did it? My sinful, selfish choice, right? I mean, I make a choice, not cool, things go bad. When Jenny and I are out of whack, all things are out of whack, and the human brain just really needs to close the story up. Dr. Brene Brown has written some great research about how the human brain, when you leave an argument, even if you didn't bring closure to it, it needs closure. So it brings itself all the way around, and you tell yourself this story over and over again. By, by the way, sometimes by the end of the day, you're ready for a war that was never started, right? And so we're not at peace. We're not at peace. We're not good. We make poor decisions. The wrong thing is sitting on the throne of our heart. And so today, I want to give us this concept of how would we make sure that we know what peace looks like, we can discover what peace is, and we can live in peace, both with God and with those around us. So I want you to grab pen or pencil or use your tablet or, or phone and follow along with my notes in the app. But let's just take a look here. I believe the first thing we have to grasp if we're going to find peace in our life, we have to understand God is here. Now you say, well, Chuck, that's a no-brainer. I mean, we're at church. You're a preacher, you're supposed to say God is here, but the psalmist says, wherever you go, there's no place you can hide apart from God. Now, some of you are here today, and you say, well, listen, Chuck, here's the deal. I, I, I know there was no possible way God is where I was at last night. Well, according to the psalmist, there is no place you can go where God doesn't go with you. Now, I want you to notice this. When you think, take a look at that and you realize, wait a minute, God is here. God is here. God is with me. God is there no matter where I go. Have, have you seen that bumper sticker that says, no God, no peace, K-N-O-W? And then the second line is, no God, no peace, N-O? True words have never been spoken. Our challenge is, most of us, we like to control our life to the degree that we, we refuse to surrender to Jesus and we just invite everything but peace into our life. A few weeks ago, we were celebrating Christmas. What did we celebrate Christmas for? Because Jesus came as the Prince of Peace. So what we know is that peace is not just an emotion. Peace is found in a person. It's found in the presence of Jesus. And you say, well, Chuck, that, that's good. Well, go back to the God is here. Well, listen to what Psalm 14, verse 1 says. In the 14th Psalm, in verse 1, it says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Now, let's just assume in this room or in the service before, let's assume we have basically three kind of people. And I know that's like a big 50,000-foot view, but let's just assume that for a minute. We've got three kinds of people. On the one end of the scale, you've got folks that you came here because you just got somebody off your back and you agreed to come to church. Your wife or whatever, you, you, somebody drug you to church. Maybe you have zero faith system. Maybe just the whole God thing I'm not into. Chuck, it's not my deal. Okay, so we've got one group. Then we got a group kind of in the middle, and you're kind of a lukewarm group. You're like, I'm totally about the whole church thing. I dig the whole religion thing, I, the whole rules thing I'm all about. You know, the Bible I'm not so sure about, but, you know, I, I can do the church life, you know. 
And then you got a third group of people. And these are folks who say, man, I'm all in with God. I know he created the heavens and the earth. I realize that, man, I sinned and I, I brutalized this, this life. I made everything out of life that I know it was supposed to be. And yet God loves me. He can't not love me. And he sent his son to die for me, to shed his blood for me so that I might have the forgiveness of my sins. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. Three days later, he rose from the dead and he conquered grief and he conquered death and he conquered sin. And he came to offer me peace. So we've got three kind of people in the room. Maybe today you take a little assessment and say, which one am I? Which, where do I fit in that? It starts by knowing God is here. Wherever you go, God is there. But it, it also has this sense to it that God is aware. I mean, if God is there, God is also aware. He's aware of everything in your life. I mean, clearly, he has a plan for everything in life. So let's go back to the group that says, man, I'm not down with the whole God thing. I don't get it. I, I can't control it. God must be a figment of my imagination. I don't know what it's working out. Let me give you a couple thoughts, all right? Jesus said in Matthew 10, 29, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. God didn't just create the world. He never turned his back on the world. He says, listen, if, if two sparrows who are worth nothing in the grand scheme of life, if he controls their life, how much more so does he control ours? If he loves that sparrow that you can't, really, you can't eat, you can't really do anything with, how much more so does he love his children that he's created that we might live in abundance with him? I, I look at this and I think, wait a minute, let me go back to the God is there thing. I mean, before I grasp that God is aware, what if I go back to the God is there thing? Let's, let me give you something different. Abraham Lincoln. Here's what Abraham Lincoln said. I can see how it might be possible for a man to look down upon the earth and be an atheist, but I cannot conceive how he could look up into heaven and say there is no God. God is there, but God is also aware. I mean, isn't it beautiful that God is aware of everything going on in your life right now? I mean, some of you have had weak, this week that just wasn't your week. Have you ever had one of those days at about 2.30, 2.45, 3 o'clock, you're just pretty sure life has bottomed it out for you? Been there? I mean, it's just, this is not good. You're kind of spiraling into this depression. Or Jenny calls it a funk. You're just kind of getting in a funk you can't get out of. So it's the other day, maybe Wednesday or Thursday, and I, I called Jen, and I'm on the way home, and, and I said, you know, Jen, I, it, it, this was not a good day. I'm, I, I'm, I'm exhausted and I've been with people from early morning time. I'm just exhausted. You, you ever get exhausted with people? Has that ever happened to you? I mean, your pastor sometimes, I just get exhausted around people. Because, I, I mean, nobody shows up in the pastor's office to say, life's great. Right? I mean, it's like nobody, nobody comes to the pastor's office and say, hey, dude, I just want you to know, life is so good. Your sermons have radically changed my life. and I am living for Jesus right? Because usually what people show the pastor's office for is, I cannot believe I made the same mistake again. I'm in the same problem again. I cannot get out of this trap because I keep making bad decisions. So after a day of that, I, I, I'm spiraling and thinking I'm going to crash and burn. So I, I said, you know, Chuck, you really need to start listening to what you preach. So I pulled over at that uh, Walgreens and right when you're coming in Duluth, headed uh, south on uh, Buford Highway, and I started playing Sugar Hill Church EP. And it's just me and the truck. And well, Hector was kind of there in the you know, system. And I was just singing my guts out. I mean, just singing my guts out. And y'all know me, I can't sing a lick. I mean, it, it could have been a YouTube time for all the wrong reasons. 
I am, I am just wailing. When I got done, I just started thanking the Lord. I am so grateful that I get to do what I do. I'm so grateful we get to serve so many people that we get to serve. I'm so grateful that, that, that this is such a, what an unbelievable church and a sweet group of people. God, I'm just so grateful. And you know what? I had this recognition that God was there. I knew for a fact that he was aware and he was just proving to me that he cares. That genuinely he cares for us. I mean, it's the fresh supply of grace and mercy day by day by day. I look at all that and I think to myself, man, how, how do I miss it all the time? I mean, God not only knows what's best for us, but he wants what's best for us. The Lord, the Lord Jesus didn't come so that we would meander and scamper through nothingness in life. He wants the very best for us. In this crazy, whacked out, messed up world, the path to peace is truth. I, I never get to peace until I'm at peace with the truth. And what did Jesus say? I am the way, I am the, what comes third? Life. If, if, if I know the way, which is Jesus, if I know the tr truth, which is Jesus, if I know the life, which is Jesus, you know what I find? The prince of peace are all those things, and he wrapped them in one and said, here, they're for you. They're for you. you, you they're free. Just look. You can't buy them. You can't work for them. You can't do enough cool stuff or tithe enough. You can't do all. They're free to you, but it cost him his life. And he said, I know you. I care for you. I'm aware of you. I'm there for you. So he said, well, why don't we, why don't we live differently? Why don't we change our life? Why, why are we still in a whacked up world? Well, let's take a look at an equation that has no numbers in it, the kind that get me in trouble. All right? Equations with no numbers are just wrong. But I want you to look at this on the screen. It says, you take our crazy life, you add to it the simple truth, the simple gospel of Jesus, and that equals, equals peace. Now, let's first take the first part, our crazy life. I mean, seriously, I never meet anybody. Jenny and I were talking about this yesterday. When is the last time you met somebody and you were talking with them and said, well, how are you doing? That they didn't say, busy. I, mean, I can remember a day, I'm, I'm old enough now, or I can remember a day when, you, when somebody said, hey, how are you doing? You know what the answer is? I'm good. I can't remember the last time I said, hey, man, how are you doing? And somebody said, good, and they had that look like, I mean it. I mean, like at church, well, that's what we say, right? I'm out there walking around, shaking hands, meeting people. And what do they say? How you doing? I mean, if I look at somebody and say, how are you doing? And they give me that look like it's one of three different kind of goods. I'm good. Okay, calm down. Right? The one in the middle, though, is, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Life's pretty good. I'm like, okay. And then the last one, how are you doing? I'm good. Oh, you sound so convincing. Yeah, how awesome is that? But you know what I found is every now and then, that's our choice. We tend to make our circumstances drive these things, and the meanwhile, Jesus is saying, wait a minute, I'm there, I care, I'm aware. So what do I do? I take my crazy life, I add the simple truth of Jesus, and I find peace on the other side of that. So let me give you a few notes, all right? Maybe this will help. Number one, let's stop living in fear and start living in hope. I mean, most of us are genuinely frightened of most things in life. I told you last week about me doing a hot yoga class. I had several men send me pictures through the week. And let me just say to you, that was not nice. 
I mean, what you imagined, well, it was worse than what you said, but I went back for round two. But this time they had a yoga ringer in the room. I mean, this chick could do anything. I mean, seriously, the human body is not supposed to bend like that. This one does, and I'm telling you. And she was just all jacked up about doing all these moves. And when she got done, she wasn't sweating. Okay, literally, there were, there were puddles of stuff from me. I sweat. I mean, really, it was awful. I got done. I mean, I'm trying to catch my breath. Jenny called. I thought she was going to call 911 while I'm on the phone with her. because I'm really, I am sucking oxygen as fast as I can. But then I tried something else this week. I did a spin class. Okay, first of all, when you sit on a bicycle for an hour, I need a tractor seat. Seriously, I thought it was going to take the jaws of life to get that thing and me separated. This was not cool. But you know what? I was fearful going into that because everybody said, don't do that. And, of course, Chuck, you know, who, who listens really well. I'm in there, man, you know. And so the, she, this is one of those classes where they scream at you. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, that, that's wrong. I mean, I, I am dying, and she's screaming, keep up, Chuck, keep up, Chuck. I thought they'd let you go at your own pace. It does not work that way. They scream at you when you don't go the pace. I was a little fearful, but when I got done, you know what I thought to myself? That was good for me. That was good for me. I mean, think about the things you're afraid of. Most of us are afraid that we're going to fail. I want to give you this wonderful thought. You are. In, in, in seasons of failures where I see God doing the greatest work in my life because I've been stripped of my pride and I've been stripped of my religion and I've been stripped of everything except Jesus. I just so desperately need you. John 14, 27 says, peace I live, leave with you. This is Jesus talking. Peace I leave with you. He's about to go back and sit at the right hand of the Father and he's going to leave you all the things he could pick. He said, I'm going to leave you peace. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. See, the world sees peace is that we're not at war. But God sees peace that our heart and his are, are linked together through a relationship and a promise that he made where he promised us that he sent his son to die for us and shed his blood for us that we might have life and abundance today and eternity for all. Stop living in fear and start living in hope. Sometimes I think we just need to stand up and claim and believe that God really means what he says. Sometimes we need to have that where we say, wait a minute, my heart is not troubled. My heart is not afraid. I know this is what he's bringing me. Jesus, who the Lord sent. I mean, there we were in our messed up sinful state like we are. And, and, and God looked at his creation and said, this is not good. So what did he do? He fixed it. He fixed it. He made a way for us. Stop living in fear. Start living in hope. Secondly, stop living in scarcity and stop, start living in, in abundance. Stop living in scarcity Start living in abundance. Now listen to what 2 Corinthians 8 9 says, or as Donald Trump says, 2 Corinthians 8 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, 
that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Now, if you're not careful, that sounds like one of those equations you don't know. But literally, what we find here is this. God looked at our world, and Jesus, sitting by him in all the wealth and all the riches of heaven, and God says, look at that messed up world. They have broken my rules. They've broken my laws. They are hard-headed. They're not following the path that I have for them. So I love them, though. I love them. They are the people I created. I love them. They can't make God not love them. And so he looks to the sun and says, go down there and provide a way. So he sends Jesus, born of a virgin, a little town called Bethlehem. Then he has to escape to Egypt because people are trying to kill these young boys. And so as he's gone, he comes back, and his mom and dad take him to the temple. And he speaks to the scribes and Pharisees and blows their mind where they say, we, we know not what he's talking about. This is something new. And then Jesus lends a sinful, perfect life. And then when he's sitting there with his fellows around the table, says, I'm about to die. And one of his own betrays him. And so he goes through this mock trial, and they beat him and scourge him and press that crown of thorns down on his head. And they hang him on a cross, and they're casting lots for his robes. And the blood is pouring from his body, and he dies. And when they take that body and they place it in that borrowed tomb of nothing but cold, dead, stench. They roll that rock over it and they seal it so that nobody could get in. And Jesus said, I'm coming back. And three days later, he pushed the rock out of the way. And then he walked over to where his boys were, scared and frightened and furious and wondering, what are we going to do? And he walks through the door, not in the door, through the door and looks at them. And he brings them this one thing. He says, I bring you peace. Of all the things that Jesus could have brought, I bring you your house payment. I bring you a better job. I bring you a nicer husband. I bring you a prettier wife. I bring you a super cool truck. I bring you a brand new lawnmower. Jesus said, I'm not bringing any of that junk. I'm bringing you the one thing that I know that I can provide, and it never goes away, peace. Jesus said that. That, that was worth dying for you for that I can bring you peace and I can give it in abundance and mercy and grace and all the ways you don't deserve it and you can't buy it. And because of that, I think we ought to stop living in solitude and we ought to start living in community. I mean, if we were to stop thinking, I gotta do all this on my own because here's what I've learned. You can't. Fellow control freaks, you can't. Jesus said in John 14, 16, he said, I will ask the Father... And he will give you another helper who will stay with you forever. Now, if you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And all the dudes in the room said, amen. And then right after they said, I don't get it. Guys, have you ever noticed that your wife speaks a language you do not speak? You ever notice that? All right, here's what I want you to do. If you're sitting here with your spouse, I want you to reach over and hold their hand real quick, especially if you got in a fight this morning. Because I know that happens on the way to church, man. It, that's one of the reasons Jenny and I drive separately on Sundays. <laughs> All right, you got, you're holding hands? All right, if you're with somebody that's not your spouse yet, but you think they might be someday, hold their hand. Because that could freak somebody out right now. <laughs> Would that not be cool? It's like, wait a minute, it's the first time I've been to church with him. This is, what are these people going to think? Okay, now hang with me. All right, now I want you to lean over, and I want you to, oh, don't do it yet. Right? Let, let the instructions finish. Reach over and kiss your spouse, but I don't mean a peck. I mean like a kiss, like, like you know, booyah kiss, right? Okay, when I count to three, 
it's, it's time to do your thing. For all the rest of you, hands up. I don't want to... <laughs> All right, go. Come on now. If we'd, had, if we'd planned this right, we'd had the kiss cam on y'all. Okay, the very first date me and Jenny went on, we went to a Hawks game. Guess who was on the kiss cam? I wasn't going in for a peck, uh-uh. Listen, your spouse was given to you as a gift from your God, your creator. And you know, none of us deserve the love that that spouse showers us with any more than we deserve the love that the Lord Jesus showered us with. But we were built for community. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. It's not good for man to be alone. A strand of three cords won't be broken. Everywhere I turn it, God says, be in community. That's why here at this church, we make such a big deal about being in discipleship groups. You're with a group of people. I've never seen somebody totally mess up their life when they're totally committed to God's word. When I sh- you show me somebody who's, man, I'm in for one hour church, but now the whole group thing, the Bible thing, y'all got to figure that out on your own because I'm doing God a favor because I'm coming Sunday 11. Uh, that's somebody who's looking for trouble. That's why we believe here everything starts with a relationship. You ought to know who's going to marry you and who's going to bury you. You ought to know who you're going to call when your kids go off the rails. And you ought to know people and you ought to be able to trust the word of God together. We believe that's a big deal. Church ought to be a place where when you sit down, you just, I am so glad to be here. It shouldn't be work. It shouldn't be difficult. It shouldn't be a challenge. When we get Jesus right, all the rest of that junk is religion. We just need to be our, strip ourselves of all of that foolishness. He really is enough. Stop living in anxiety and start living in peace. Listen to what Philippians said in chapter 4, beginning of verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. And there's a comma there. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. So in essence, it's this. Stop worrying about all the junk that you can't control and let God do his thing. And when you offer back to him, Lord, I know you already know this, but I really believe in it. Could I just say to you, most of us, And hey, dudes, if you're in the room, guys, listen, check in with me here. Come back, all right? There's no football games. Check on today. I can promise you, when we're not living at peace, at the end of the day, we're not praying and we're not spending time with God. Because apart from that, you have no prayer for peace. Zippity-doo-dah. That's why we've made these podcasts for you. Five minutes a day, five days a week, just to jumpstart getting the word and openly pray. I've, I've told you this over and over again. I believe so much in the power of prayer, especially when you strip yourself of all pride and it's just you in the car and you're talking out loud. And, and you're not breaking out the, cheek, like, you know, the, the, the Jesus voice. I mean, really, I know, I know we feel like we have to do that. Like, how many of you leave your eyes open when you pray? Can I see your hand? Conspiracy theorist. All right, so, but I, I do that too a lot. Because when, when I close my eyes, my mind is gone. I mean, squirrel, I'm gone, right? So I love to pray with my eyes open, especially if I'm driving. Because <laughs> Petri Industrial gets you in trouble, man. But listen, by God's design, we have an innate need 
to be loved. Don't be anxious about anything. Bring everything to the Lord. The peace of God that guards my heart and guards my mind is a peace that passes all understanding. Again, Jesus in John chapter 14 said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Determine to seek peace. And then finally in Matthew, the gospel writer in chapter 6, beginning in verse 31, said, Therefore don't be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? If he had written it today, who should we vote for? Or who's going to become president? Or what kind of car I have? Or do I need that, that super cool refrigerator? Or come on, my, our neighbor's got a better car. We could have taken all of that and wrapped it inside of this and say, well, wait a minute. The Father knows what you need. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all those things will be added to you. What, what will be added? Peace. Because where the lack of peace is, you can't fill that need with anything else. Seek first the kingdom of God and his joy, hope, and peace will deliver you from crisis to hope, from fear to strength, from anxiety to joy. Because God came, he sent Jesus in the flesh to be peace for you. Let's pray. Lord, today, I pray our heart would be filled with peace. I pray we would recognize that apart from you, there is no peace. And with you, peace abounds. So Lord, would you speak into our life the need, the desire, the hope that comes from the Prince of Peace. God, would you cause each of us to stop now and examine our own heart and determine, is my heart at peace? And Lord, where, where hearts are running wild, where sin has taken over our life, calls us to be a people that are repentant, that want to turn back to you and find peace, live in peace, and stay at peace. Lord, most of us don't really know how to pray or talk to you. So God, I pray there'd be people that would join me in a prayer that would say, Jesus, forgive me, make me new. I want to turn my life around. I want to live for you. Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for raising from the dead for me, for offering peace found in an abundant life today and an eternal life tomorrow. And if your prayer is count me in on that, Jesus, then he hears you and he answers you. Lord, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.